All right. So, talking about stuff, talking about stuff. And we're talking about stuff. We're talking about sports. Brian likes sports. I don't. I don't like sports. The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willette. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience. I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hey everybody, how you doing? Welcome back to another episode of the show. This week's guest is Aaron Pollock, the current APP secretary. I just got back from a trip to San Antonio, Texas. I was out there for another APP board of directors meeting. So it was good to uh, finally sit down with Aaron and get uh, get a podcast recorded for you. There are a couple of cameos in there. Uh, inadvertently, uh, Cody Vaughn, Jeff Saunders, and Steve Joyner all make uh, quick little appearances. So keep your ears open for that. We, uh, we talk about... Uh, what the APP means to us. And then we kind of just go rambling off into all these different existential directions of, uh, you know, what it's meant for us at different points in our career and uh, what it means to us now and what we see as uh, maybe the future of the APP. We also talk a little bit about social media and using that for personal gain, uh, using that for uh, just your personal life and, and where that line is between uh, you as a piercer and you as a, a person. Uh, on the uh, seminars front, um, my registration is open currently for my class in Boston. I'm doing that two-hour uh, piercing needle bevel theory class, uh, April 29th, Sunday, April 29th, at the Boston Tattoo Convention. So uh, registration is open for that. Love to see you there. I've also got a class coming up on Sunday, May 20th in the Chicago, Illinois area. Registration is currently open for that. You can go to precisionbodyarts.com seminars and you can read all the info, get pricing, and read how to register. I'm pretty close to uh, announcing a date for my San Francisco area class. Uh, looks like that's going to be in early June. I uh, haven't really uh, fully announced it yet, so probably next week I'll be able to tell you the exact date. But you can also go again to precisionbodyarts.com backslash seminars, and that'll be up there as soon as I have that announced. I've also got uh, classes for both Los Angeles, California, and Portland, Oregon on the horizon. So not really sure if I'll be able to get those in before the APP conference in July. Might wait until after that, maybe uh, later in the summer or early fall. Uh, But I'll be definitely doing some classes in uh, the LA area and the Portland area and beyond. Uh, I'm really enjoying these classes and I'm getting a really good response from them. So I'd I'd like to kind of keep that momentum going and keep rolling through. If, uh, if you happen to have a studio that would like to host me for one of these seminars, shoot me an email at ryanpba at gmail.com or reach out to me on social media. Uh, I'm on ryanpba on pretty much all social media platforms at this point. So uh, let's get into the interview with Aaron Pollock, and I'll be back after that. Uh, my name is Aaron Pollock. I work at Dandyland Custom Tattoo and Body Piercing in San Antonio, Texas. You can find me on Instagram at WDE Pollock or at Facebook at Piercings by Aaron. Who still uses Facebook? Nah, yeah, let's let's edit out the Facebook thing. I don't even want people finding me on there. Yeah, I don't know. I go back and forth on Facebook because um, I, I'm already at the point where I have like so many people on there that I don't know and who are customers or who are like industry people that I've never even met that I see the value of using it to like 
promote a brand or to promote a service or something like that, but I, I really don't have a lot of like personal interaction on there. I use Messenger to keep in touch with like my international friends, but Facebook is just like a business tool for me at this point. Uh, Facebook is actually becoming the furthest thing from a business tool for me. Um, I use it for friends and family. I use it to interact with other body piercers, uh, but I don't use it to, ever since moving, I never tried to uh, re-up my Facebook for a Texas audience versus mm-hmm. my Alabama audience. Is that why you talk about all the War Eagle stuff? <laughs> That's part of it, probably. Uh, I, I just feel like as a marketing tool, it's not super effective compared to the time you would need to put in to make it as effective as something like just posting a picture on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I don't even do a, a ton of that. Um, I don't own Dandyland. I just work at Dandyland. Dandyland's social media presence is really good and draws in a ton of clients for me. Um, so my personal page, you know, I, I try to really promote the brand of Dandyland yeah. um, over my own personal brand so long as I'm working there. Uh, and to keep my, my personal brand as just just kind of more of a, a partition of Dandyland as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously that situation doesn't work for everyone, uh, but in, in the particular city that I'm at, I'm really blessed to have a have a, a long-standing brand and a, and a dedicated uh, staff that, that handles social media for us. Yeah. I, I, I go back and forth with social media. Like, I understand that it's really valuable and that that's, that's how you meet new clients in, in this day and age. But uh, at the end of the day, it's just like I don't have – I don't always have time for it, you know. And my mm-hmm. staff, like, I can I can pound them on, like, you know, do this, add to the Instagram story and, like – they they do it, but it's still it still feels like such a chore, you know. The clients seem like they appreciate it and respond to it, and I get a lot of new clients from it. So I mean, it's it's worth it, but it's not fun. It being there is what gets you a lot of clients. But if you think about your average like, or, so to start with, I don't deny the positive effects that social media can have on any business. Before um, I was secretary for the Association of Professional Piercers, I was chair of the social media committee. And uh, you could see the results there. We started having a really dedicated, hardworking team on social media, and we started seeing membership numbers just grow through the roof. But that was six or seven years ago now, and I think things change really rapidly in the social media world. And if you think about your average social media experience now, you're bombarded by not only paid advertising, but also guerrilla marketing from small businesses to the point to where it, it almost becomes a, just another noise in the vast world of noises that is yeah. social media. Um, I don't think your average client is getting uh, anything more than than direct brand recognition. You know, like posting an individual piercing photo and tagging it all the right way obviously can still bring in that right client, but having um, a store that utilizes that well is much more important than having a personal page that right. utilizes that well. Right. I like lately the the big thing that I've been trying to focus on are Instagram stories rather than just Instagram feed, and uh, you know I've noticed that if a, if a post gets a couple of hundred likes on average, but then I can post an Instagram story like a quick little video, and that's getting five hundred or a thousand likes, you know, and, and those are also people who make the conscious decision to tap my icon or to tap like the PBA icon or something like that. So those are people who are already following the brands. And it really just helps to kind of like further strengthen them. And it, it, it's like you get you get to your direct market quicker. Like the people who care about seeing your stuff see your stuff and they engage with that a little bit better. So I've been having a really good response with that. But um, 
I don't know if it's sustainable because it's like, it's 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 just not fun. It's it's very very taxing if you're doing it the free way, right? Mm-hmm. Like like if you want to utilize social media marketing to its fullest for free, it's going to be very taxing on your personal time commitment. Yeah. Uh, if you pay for social media distribution, which I'm a big fan of, you know, utilizing the built-in business tools that these companies provide, it's a little cheap for them to only provide them at a cost and provide the more favorable algorithms at a cost. Um, but it, it works, you know, and I, I'm glad that the company that I work for will put money in money, time into developing ads that are going to reach a large audience and be concise and be consistent across the brand, brand, but also money into ensuring that when that time is invested, it's utilized wisely by being seen by the biggest mm. audience um i think just cheaping out on it and never spending a dollar on it you know if, if you're if you're a new business and all i can see the where, where your dollars probably wouldn't go there first but if you're an established brand uh spend a little money on the tools that they give you and you'll see a much greater return for your time invested um personally I, i'm kind of reaching a point where i don't have as much time to invest in you know uh taking a piercing photo um editing it nicely uh, sharing it across four or five platforms. Putting a watermark on it. And then I haven't watermarked a piercing photo in ages. Yeah. 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 They're going to steal me the way, right? Like, and, and, and I mean, like, a conch piercing is a conch piercing, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I can see the reason why you would want to protect your own works. Um, but as we see time and time again, if somebody wants to steal your photo, they're just going to take that same piercing that you did and make an ugly cropped version of it. I'd rather just kind of leave my window unlocked so the guy can rob my car without breaking my window. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like to do a really, really subtle watermark, just like Ryan PBA, and I'll put some, like, I'll put a fade on it, and I'll make it really tiny, and I'll, like, put it in someone's hair or something. And I love it when people do steal my pictures <laughs> and post it on their page, and I'm like, oh, yeah, zoom in on that little part right there. See where it says my goddamn name? That's my picture. That's cool. Maybe take it down. <laughs> yeah, that's happened more than I, once. I will still occasionally use the APP's watermark because I like getting the brand recognition out there for the association. Um, and I will occasionally watermark Dandyland on something, especially if I think it might be shared a lot or, mm. or something similar. But uh, I, I typically won't. If I'm just taking a photo of something that I thought uh, looked cute, I won't, I won't watermark it. I'll just throw it up on my personal Instagram. If it gets stolen, it gets stolen. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so have you ever have – you, have you had people steal your stuff and you caught them? Uh, no, no. But I'm not a very good piercer. So. Wow. Well, okay. uh, no. <laughs> I just, I just, I haven't caught, but I've also not been out there searching and like whenever I see somebody, you know, oh, this person's taking photos, this person, this person's on there. I, I, maybe I'll go check it to see if some of my photos are on there. Maybe not. I, as long as, I would much rather clean, well-executed photos of well-done piercings with, with industry standard jewelry in them get out there. Yeah. Even if it means they stole one of mine, I don't care. You know, like, like what's best for body piercing is what's best for me as a body piercer. Yeah, I don't really put too much stress on like the average everyday body piercings, like the really common placements with really interesting jewelry. It's nice to get recognition for that if it gets shared, but it's not the end of the world if it if it doesn't get that recognition. Mm-hmm. But what really frustrates me is when I do something like we're just going to take a pause on the podcast and just draw reference to the fact that Cody Vaughn just came into here totally naked, just wearing a towel and a smile. You know, I need to clean underwear. <laughs> we couldn't do anything but take a pause because I'm kind of distracted. A little bit. It's so, the hair. Yeah, beefcake. Anywho, uh, what were we talking about now that I'm captivated by Cody's chest? Social media? Social media. Social right, anyway. Yeah. No, but then there are those rare photos that go viral 
where they get like thousands of, of likes and shares and stuff like that. And it just, it kills me when those ones don't have the watermark on them. Like there were some from like five years ago before I really even knew how to do a watermark mm-hmm. where like a scarification picture or something like that, you know, would mm-hmm. get a lot of, a lot of shares and it'd be like, no one's ever going to know that I did that. That's a bummer. You know, it's just like, oh, it's just out there in the world. Uh, I could see where that would be more heartbreaking for something like a scarification piece. I, Hello. I, 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 I'm not really, uh, the studio that I work in is very run of the mill as far as what walks in the door. Uh, you know, obviously I get, I get to use a lot of super cool jewelry, uh, which I really like. Um, but if something goes viral with cool jewelry, I still view it as a win overall, even if my watermark is not in it. Right. Um, obviously it's a bummer if you worked hard on a piece or, or if, like if it's something, you know, you spend a lot of time planning out and consulting with your customer and a lot of time that they took time to, to, you know, really, uh, really, I don't know, curate what they were trying to have done and spent the time to heal it. And it's this whole put together piece and then it goes viral and you have no name attachment to it whatsoever. Definitely can see where that bum, bum, even me out. Mm. Um, well, one thing that I'll say to the, anyone who might be listening to this, if you are the type of person who would maybe borrow someone else's work and post that on your social media, even if it's for that justification of like, oh, I'm really inspired by this and I would like to try to get something similar into my studio, say that in no inexplicit terms, like in the description or even put it right on the picture itself. Just say, I didn't do this. I'm just posting this for inspiration. Please just do that because every single time I catch someone who steals my work or some other piercer that I know personally, they always say like, well, I was just up for inspiration. And it's like, yeah, but you have to say that. Otherwise, yeah, you're yeah. just kind of implying that you did it. Yeah, using So I do have a problem with the end user taking a photo and misrepresenting it as something that they are able to provide because obviously that can uh, uh, lead to putting clients in dangerous situations where they thought they were going to someone who's uh, represented their work with a much higher quality than what they normally offer. Um I don't have as much of an issue with it, say, if, uh, I, I don't know, funnyinternetvideos.com took a video and added it to a collage. Of, yeah. You know, here's the next piercing craze or whatever. Eh, whatever. Well, yeah. But, you know, internet. Uh, so, one subject that we were talking about earlier is um, kind of a, a, a generic subject, but, you know, what what is the APP to you? You know, because whenever I talk to different piercers, um, you know, some of them the APP was really their first exposure to high quality information or some people, you know, got out to conference and that, that changed their perspective. Some people read every, every word and every issue of the point. Um, you know, some people have, have taken online classes, things like that. So uh, what was your first exposure to the APP? Like when did you first hear about it and where were you at in your career? So, uh, uh, a brief, Kind of how I got started. I uh, I was uh, decided no longer to pursue college. Um, I wasn't very happy with where that was taking me. I was probably twenty years old, um, and I, I moved to uh, Auburn, Alabama, War Eagle, and I just kind of bounced around between some jobs. And I had a bunch of buddies who were tattooers, and you started just kind of hanging out with them after work and all. Uh, and and eventually, one of them. You know, said that I could learn how to pierce and be the piercer at their shop, um, and so I got a three-week uh, apprenticeship, I guess, uh, from from a, the girl who was the piercer there. Like a crash yeah. course kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, like a crash course. She like, you, you know, two weeks after I started, I pierced a navel, and she was like, "All right, I quit. You got this." And she quit quit the shop, and I was just kind of there by myself. And the owner was like, "Well, you gotta you gotta go now," you know. And and after about a month, I realized that I had. Um, 
no clue whatsoever what I was doing, and I was uh, really, really bad at my job. Um, I mean, so, at least you figured it out, though. Yeah, and, and I, I, I ended up uh, taking a second job. I was, like, delivering hot wings, and I drove a taxi. Um, and one of the tattooers at the shop I worked at went to go do a guest spot in a neighboring city uh, at a studio where my good friend uh, Seth Dietz was piercing. And so uh, he came back and he was like, dude, you're really bad at your job. And I was like, I, I know this. And he's like, well, you should go um, check out this guy who was piercing at the shop I just went and tattooed at. And so I, I hit up Seth and I went over there and I just hung out with him for a day. And I was like, wow, this is a, a 180 degrees different than what I was doing. Um, what's going on? Where can I learn to actually be a body piercer? And he, he actually told me, uh, you should go to APP conference and you should go to the Fakir intensives. Um, and so that's that's what I did. I went to the Fakir intensives first, uh, but, but like the first time I'd ever really heard about the APP whatsoever, other than like some etheric like APT, APP, all these, you know, lettered organizations that represent different interests was from Seth saying, well, they throw this thing with all these classes, you should go. So I went to the Fakir intensives first because it was the next thing up. Uh, and then I went to the APP conference the following year um, and was just super surprised at how open with information everybody was. You know, up yeah. until that point, all of my industry uh, interactions have been with tattooers who are very uh, closed off to sharing information with each other. So to see a bunch of piercers being like, not only you know will you pay this modest fee to come out to conference and learn all these things, um, but even you know in between classes and stuff will we'll teach you even more. You know, and I met uh, tons of people that um, you, you know one Greg Marshall is one in particular who I met him at that conference, and and he just stayed in touch with me on Facebook and like would answer every question that I had and was always super friendly. Uh, and, and so I kept coming back and kept coming back and then uh, decided that, you know, like, I, I want to be part of this group that just helps other people like me get better at their jobs so we're not out there hurting folk. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And uh, and so the APP to me was never this weird, unreachable goal. It was never – oh, it seemed super accessible since day one. It seemed super open and inviting since day one. And it's never proven to be anything else to me. Like, I, I – so I worked really hard and got into a studio where I could carry the jewelry that I felt like, uh, you know, should be pierced with and, and made the jewelry swap um, and applied for membership and, and, and got it and was just immediately – a mentor in any subject that I could want was available through the APP. Yeah. My social media was terrible. Well, somebody was there to talk to about it. My my piercing technique was not great. Lots of people were there to talk to me about it and to help me through it. Um, jewelry questions, anything you could want, there was suddenly this whole avenue of kinship that you shared with other professionals, and you could all speak the same language to learn something, and, and that was just really rad from day one you know and, and all those resources are available for non-app members too but it was just much easier you had an even foot to talk to your peers on and an open platform to do so and shared knowledge that was accessible to everyone yeah yeah i i remember so when i when i got into piercing same kind of thing i got into piercing and thought i knew it all for years and then uh the the first time i went out to conference i i realized like very abruptly like oh no that is not accurate at all like i don't i don't know what i'm doing at all um but 
before that, the APP was kind of this like mythical thing, you know, because for a long time when I was like a underground piercer or like part-time piercer that would just like get called in to do stuff at some random tattoo shop every now and then, uh, <clears throat> it was Gauntlet. Gauntlet was still in existence at the time. They were still doing their classes in New York. You know, there was Fakir, there was Conference, uh, and all those things just seemed like yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're amazing, but the problem was is I already thought that I was amazing, you know, because in the area that I was at, there there was really no one else piercing, so it was just like I won kind of by default, you know, and then when I finally took the plunge into like, for, for me, it, it started with BME. That was the first community that I got into that was like wider than my city, uh, and then through BME, everybody was like, Oh yeah, you coming to conference this year? You coming to conference this year? And I was like, "What's conference?" You know. So then I, I got pulled into the APP conference, and it it changed my life. You know, I'd say the the first time I went to conference, I was just I was just terrified at all the information that I learned. You know, I was really overwhelmed by it, and I was really like self conscious about you know I'm doing everything wrong and you know trying to talk to whoever I could. But my first year, it was really just take every single class available you know, keep your mouth closed and keep your ears open kind of thing. And uh, I'd say the the second conference where I really went and I, I, I felt more comfortable being there and I felt like I could sort of try to acclimate to the, the community a little bit better, that's when it, I, I really started like a sharper upward trend, you know. So just like you said, it's it's not this level of intimidation. You know, I could look at all these people that I knew from from wherever, you know, from BME or from magazines or something like that. And I'd be like, man, that person's really good at surface piercings. And I could just walk up and be like, hey, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about surface piercings or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was just like no egos, you know, even if it was some really good piercer uh, that was like internet famous, they would just be like, oh yeah, well, you know, where are you from? Let's let's sit down and let's talk. Like, how do you do it? And oh, this is how I do it. And it's always just this communal sharing kind of atmosphere. So that's why sometimes I really just don't understand when the APP still has a bad rep today. I could I could get it 15 or 20 years ago when maybe the APP had a different dynamic. But now when people say like, you know, oh, it's just like conspiracy to get you to buy nice jewelry and stuff like that. And it's like, but, but do you really understand what the APP offers people now? It offers, you know all this social media presence, all these free brochures, a procedure manual, online classes, a conference, all these different things and support. Uh, and it's just, I don't know, it's its really impressive. And I, 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 I'm really excited that I get to be a part of it, you know, big or small, whatever. Uh, I, I'm, it's like, it's very fulfilling as like kind of, not necessarily a bookend to my career, but, but from being someone who started out piercing friends in a spare bedroom in his house when I was 16 to like traveling the world and like teaching classes and stuff like that. It's, I, I feel like a completely different person and the APP takes a huge amount of credit for that. Uh, I, I think one thing that the APP uh, really helps solidify for me, and this is totally obtainable outside the APP, um, is stability within my career. I know that you, you, I'm, you know, in my 30s now. I'm, I'm married. I'm, I'm really family focused. I'm really home focused. Um, knowing that I have a network of people that I could go work with to help provide for my family, it, who just know me only through the APP. That's that's really awesome and really special. Only know me through conference. I mean, I got the job I'm at now because me and me and Mito 
uh, you know, worked together on APP projects before I ever set foot in the studio. You know, I, I came into that job um, with the wind at my back because we've worked together on these other things, just the networking uh, allowed from that, you know, and I've learned a ton at the studio. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's all, you know, a, a decent amount of it is attributable to the APP. I, I mean, so, and I, the people who listen to the show, especially are going to get it. Like I, I'm constantly traveling and taking trips and, and, and doing whatever. And the APP really gets almost a hundred percent of the credit for that because Without the opportunity to teach at conference or to, you know, even before that, even before I was teaching at conference, just getting the opportunity to be involved and, and contribute to conference uh, was a huge step up in my career. And then when people really started to see like, okay, he can he can take a little bit more responsibility, he can take a little bit more on because you get really an opportunity to prove yourself. You know, even if you're really good, if no one knows you, you're not going to get as many opportunities, you know, and sometimes people who are only known from Instagram or Facebook or they're just internet famous without having any sort of like uh, backup from someone saying like, you know, oh yeah, you know, you should really talk to them. They're, they're really eloquent. Uh, they would be really good for a project or something like that. That's how, how, how things really happen and how you really start to build momentum. And like, I don't want to say that you can't get that without APP membership, but if you're part of that circle, um, you just get to meet so many people who, who care about the overall community, the overall industry, and really just want to give people an opportunity uh, if, if they can contribute, you know? So it's not always just about like, you know, oh, I like this person on a personal level. They're my buddy. Give them a shot. It's like, oh, I heard somebody talking uh, at, at, you know, at, at conference or at lunch or, you know, maybe they submitted an article for the point or something like that. And like they, they have really good information Let's give them a shot. Let's get them on a committee. Let's get them instructing in a class or or helping out with a project or something like that. The APP is really just, it's a huge resource to develop yourself as as a resource for the industry. Um, and as a person. Yeah, and as a person too. Like I've grown a lot and I've made a lot of like really important, really lasting friendships almost exclusively through that, you know? Like people like Jesse V and like Whitney Thompson and stuff like that. Like I... You know, I, I might have met them in other situations, but I never really would have gotten the opportunity to, to like know them as a person and really like build those friendships. And, and that's that's a huge, a huge part of the networking. You know, like I, I don't want to just be the king of my little city. You know, like I want to be involved in what everybody else is doing. You know, I want to be able to go to other studios and I want to hear about what's happening on the West Coast of the U.S. or the South, the Southeast or whatever. You know, like I want to be able to talk to everybody and the APP that's that's who brings everybody together now yeah absolutely it definitely uh defines a community uh in, in absence in social media where community lines get so blurred and everything the app gives everybody a common goal toward to work towards it gives everybody a uh something positive to contribute it gives everybody avenues for personal growth where you know i've learned how to manage um large-scale projects from top to bottom i've learned how uh, a little bit about event planning, a little bit about, you know, managing a, a network of, you know, files and, and, and how to bring people together to work, how to utilize different, how to help people realize their own strengths that they can bring to projects. Yeah. Uh, and that's been, you know, something that I've learned how to manage a team a lot better because of opportunities provided to me by the APP. I was never going to get as a taxi driver or as a food delivery guy or even as, you know, king shit of my small town you know it's never going to get these different 
these different avenues of growth that I've gotten through the APP. So before before you got into some of your APP roles, did you ever have experience like being a mediator or something like that? Because being in, in board meetings and just listening to the way that you can kind of direct traffic as the secretary and, and like keep people on point and, and keep like conversations going so it doesn't turn into an argument, uh, that seems like a strength that you... Uh, do you feel like that was natural for you or do you feel like you had to develop that? Uh, I think it came naturally but was undeveloped until I started working uh, at least as the chair of the social media committee. I mean, I had had um, uh, lower level management, you know, roles at different small jobs and stuff, shift lead and stuff like that, but, but never on the scale that I have now. And definitely not about anything that I'm as passionate about as the body piercing industry until I became uh, chair of the social media committee. Um, and that's really where I started realizing that, you know, I, I, I think one of the most overlooked aspects of leadership is understanding that everybody has something to contribute uh, sometimes you just got to uh, realize where they fit in and direct them that way or allow them to to fit in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, being able to manage people, manage their ideas and, and, and move it all forward towards a common goal and utilize people's strengths when they're strong and, and you know, help help mask weaknesses when they aren't. Uh, that's something that I developed purely through APP work for mm-hmm. the most part. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I'm sure from my first my first board meeting to now, like you saw that I was, I, w- I wouldn't necessarily say I was more confrontational, but I always really, I always had an opinion and I always needed to make sure that everybody in the room knew what my opinion was before the conversation moved on. And now I'm realizing that it's like, that's probably not beneficial, really. It's like, you know, listen to the, the issue at hand. If you have some sort of like subject matter experience, you can chime in on it or you can, you can give your opinion when asked, but you don't necessarily need to like interject your own opinion into a conversation that doesn't need it. And uh, that's helped me with a lot of other things like in my in my studio too. You know, now I try not to stay up everybody's ass and like micromanage everything that everybody's doing. You know, I try to say, this is what I expect from you. And, and you know, if you need if you need some sort of resources that you don't have to achieve that, let me know and I'll, I'll facilitate that for you. But otherwise, I'm going to trust you to do your thing. Uh, so, you know, I've learned a lot through just the experience of being on the, the board as to like how to manage resources better and how to work with people better you know it's it's always been the ryan show for me you know and Mm -hmm. now it's like i'm trying to be part of everyone else's process and not just make the process about my opinion oh yeah absolutely i think uh an important part of learning um how to well work well within a group is or how to work well in a leadership role period is understanding when you have to be a leader and when you have to be um, just kind of a director within a group of peers, you know, and, and one thing about, uh, APP board work that's really different is that everybody that sits on this board is somebody that I respect immensely as a peer. Um, and, and none of them, myself included, or, or Jeff included as president right now, or, you know, Brian's been president before. Nobody can, Everybody's on an equal footing. Everybody has experience to bring to the table here. Yeah. It's easy to be a boss. It's not always easy to be a facilitator of ideas, you know? So you came into the secretary position after Beth Rasumsky, who had a very large footprint as the APP secretary. So what was that like entering into that role? Did you have to rely on, on Bethra as a mentor for it, or did you want to kind of 
create your own path as what the secretary position was? Uh, everybody steps into an APP role, whether they're a director or an officer, uh, and it's going to be different. Like, you can never hope to emulate the person who had the role before you. And, it, and it's honestly better that way because it brings new ideas to the table and we refine what each role is every time we have somebody different filling it. Um, I didn't understand that at first, but my when I first got the secretary job, I drove to Atlanta and I spent the night at Bethra's and I just talked to her all night about what her role was. And she was just so insightful and talked to me about how, you know, she never once said, this is the way that it's done to me. Other than, you know, like there's procedural things that the secretary has to do in a specific way, it, 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 you know, uh, paperwork wise and, and all that. But as far as like what the secretary's role is within the, the board of directors and officers, um, she never told me how it had to be done. She told me how she did it, and she told me how other people had done it, and she told me kind of where its role fits in, and then she pretty much encouraged me to, to craft it and do it how I do. And, and there are many things that that Bethra is much, much better at than I am, and, and whenever one of those things come up, she's always a phone call away for me, and I've called her a few times and asked for her advice on specific situations. Um, she's always there to help out. But she was very hands-off in directing me on how to do the job. Mm. She just told me what needed to be done. Yeah, explaining the job, but like... Much like how you just said you handle, you know, people now that are working under you. Um, And that's worked out really well. And so since I've been secretary, I've seen, uh, you know, a few people leave the board and then new people come on the board and then a few people leave and new people come on. Um, And everybody does their role a little bit different, but all of it has been a positive contribution uh, to the industry and, and, and seeing that it's okay to not do some things as well as the person before you, um, has been, you know, super great for me. I haven't, I haven't felt pressured to be Bethra, you know what I mean? And, and I don't think anybody could, right? Uh, so I never felt that pressure. Um, and I was allowed to hold the role how I best see fit. And, and that's the only way to do it because since then, you know, I'm, I'm working with, uh, out of the board that I came onto, whenever I came into the secretary position, it's only uh, Jeff, Cody, Steve, and Brian were all there at the time. Brian was gone immediately afterwards for his uh, in between his terms, and yeah. then uh, other people left. You can't manage the same group as you could the same as you could manage the group before the group before that. And I won't be able to manage the same group as I will the next group. You yeah. know, and, and they won't be able to work with me the same way. They're going to have different expectations on me, and I'm going to have to adapt to that. Uh, so it's been a it's a really interesting growth every day. It's something new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, you know, learning how to be, learning how to be a board member and like what that even means. You know, because I've known lots of people uh, who have been board members over the years. You know, Ed and Dana and Alicia and you know all these different people. And uh, some of them, I would be like, wow, I, I wouldn't really expect that you would excel at it. And some of them do, and some of them don't. And who knows if I will, you know, and I guess that's for other people to decide, but, um, I, I do like how there, there's no like forced expectation. Like you're not just basically filling the last person's job. You can kind of like, you can mold it to whatever you think, you know, for me as the outreach coordinator, it's, it's my determination what that means as to what outreach coordinator means, just like anybody else. And, um, you know, I'm sure you do the, the same thing with secretary, but it's just, it's good to see how you can kind of direct traffic and how you can kind of keep things on track because I would imagine without that 
like that leadership in in the secretary role that things could just be chaos you know and it could just be like a a two-day argument instead of trying to get things done uh i i attribute a ton of that to you know the board members themselves they're all you know everybody i work with is very capable of um, stopping and listening to other people's opinions uh, and and modifying their own views once they're presented with new evidence, and I think that's you know it's a it's a really good personality trait to have, and it's definitely something that everybody that I work with has. If we call um, body piercers, uh, educators, legislators, health healthcare professionals, and clients, society, the things that society needs from an organization like the APP evolve over time. So why would we not expect leadership to evolve over time as well? Yeah. For for this president and, and, and regulatory regulatory affairs director and outreach coordinator. Their, their jobs do change over time because the needs of those positions change over time. Yeah, and I also see like a huge growth between like when I first started having exposure to the APP in conference it was like, so you'd have those people on the board of directors and they were doing all the work. So like if they couldn't excel at it like the app would be kind of held back by it like committees didn't really exist in the the same level or whatever but now it's like you have uh so you know if you have the leadership position of like you and and paul and jeff you know president treasurer secretary kind of setting a tone for certain issues then you have all the individual people on the board with their committees underneath them kind of setting the tone for what their committee work is going to be but then you have all those committees where we have individual personalities and stuff like that, you know, like seeing uh, seeing how Kale approaches like the social media work and, and like the mentor program and all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's really interesting seeing all these individual unique people creating what what the APP is and what the APP does for the next generation of body piercers. Oh, absolutely. Committees keep the organization moving forward. Committees are the closest to being able to understand what's needed the most right then, the most receptive to hearing what's needed right away, and the ones that are able to get uh, actual work done the yeah. quickest. And they can see and the it, results it, it, right it, away. Yeah, too. absolutely. And uh, we, we have such a stellar team of uh, volunteers on different committees. I, I actually am no longer on the social media committee. Um, when I took the secretary role, I passed that off to Kale. And she's done an, an excellent job since. And uh, and then I, I took a couple years where I just did secretary because it was so much different and a lot more work. And I need to kind of reacclimate to being able to handle it. Um, but I've since joined the membership committee. Um, and though, and I'm one of the, uh, I'm one of the kind of almost like the reserves of the membership committee. I don't take nearly as many applications as a lot of what the other committee members do. And, and they just, the amount of applications those people are able to turn through in a year is unbelievable. Um, uh, Monica runs that committee like a machine. You know, she just, Monica Saban, uh, just really, really, and, and that whole committee just really cranked through applications because it isn't just watching a video and saying accept or deny. If somebody's not making the cut, this committee is going to them and explaining how they can make changes in their studio to achieve membership. It's not just you pass or you fail. It's, yeah. you know, here, here's the few changes that we need and then resubmit the video and we're good. And, and I see so many studios do this. It's, and then every committee is like that. You know, the, obviously we speak on those two because those are the two that we're directly involved with. But every single committee is working hard 
to keep the organization moving forward. The amount of man hours, volunteer hours that this organization run on uh, is unbelievable. Yeah, and for, for people listening who haven't really engaged much with the APP, think of, you know, if you need support for an issue, like there there are people within the APP that are there to help you, you know? Like really good example is membership. Like even if you don't feel like you're at a point where you can apply for APP membership, if you feel like it's a long-term goal, they're always there to listen to you. You know, if you say hey, would you mind if I just maybe sent you a couple of pictures and got some advice as to what I should change first? Like, there's going to be someone there that'll say like, yes, please send it to me. Send me a picture, send me a video. Like, they're there to help. They're not going to say like, no, sorry, we don't have time for you until you're, you're ready to apply or, or you know, submit uh, an application fee or something like that. You know, there are people that are ready for you. A big thing for me, because, you know, right now at this point with, with the board, how it exists, Steve Joyner is legislation and, and regulatory affairs. But I remember I had an issue... I don't know, 12 years ago, something like that in New Hampshire, where they had some sort of reactionary bill for body piercing that was going to be really detrimental. And I had no idea how to handle it myself. And the the hearing was like two days away. So I I went to the APP website and like I clicked on it and they were like, you know, legislative issues, contact this person. I contacted Steve. He gave me a call like, you know, within an hour, you know, and he's like, what can we do to help? You know, the APP is here to, to help you and give you whatever resources you need. And I was I was blown away by that, just thinking like, I'm a nobody, I'm in New Hampshire, like they don't they don't even really know fully what the issue is, but they're ready to like jump in with both feet to help out. And they're not asking for any money, they're not asking for anything for themselves, they're not even asking for the glory of having their name attached on it or whatever. They they just wanted to help, you know. And I see a lot of people when I when I travel different places, they they hold up this APP goal of like, I would love to be a member, but I, I, I would, I'll never be able to get there. And it's like, well, you know, don't, don't say that, you know, because that's what the APP wants to do. The APP, if nothing else, is that hand up to try to like help people achieve the goals they want to get to. And maybe you'll apply for membership, maybe you won't. But, you know, if you're always focusing on what can you improve, you know, the APP is really just there to give you support for that. You know, you don't, you don't have to be a member to, to reap all the benefits. We would certainly love everybody to be a member, but even if you don't think that you can be a member, you're still entitled to all the hard work that the APP is, is putting out there because we're, we're doing it for everybody, for the public, for body piercers, whether they're a member or not. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, uh, a lot of people will quickly um, try to seek out resources if they had a bad meeting with a health inspector. Yeah. That's something you can hit up the APP about. A lot of people will, you know, ask around about joining. Just hit up the membership committee. If you have um, questions about why, why, uh, edit that. The, no, uh, I'm not going to yeah, leave it in. Don't edit that one. Yeah. yeah. Leave that one in. Yeah. That's the good one. Um, buts. Buts. <laughs> if you, uh, if you have issues, you know, if, if you, even the, the Bloodborne oh, Pathogens class. Were you class, in there listening when I was saying nice stuff about you? No, I've been asleep. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. We're doing the podcast. <laughs> sorry. It's all good. Uh, the APP is here to wake up Steve Joyner when he's trying to take a nap. <laughs> Whatever you need, the APP's got you. Uh, I even look. You know, right now we we uh, you, one of the things that I'm two of the things the, the two things that I'm the most happy about happening um, while I've been active in the APP are uh, the Bloodborne Pathogens course is just absolutely phenomenal uh, in. in I'm from Alabama, and so when I was in Alabama, I was having to take BBP every year. Uh, my options for taking BBP were super limited, 
and they were limited to like a, an Red American Cross. Red Cross thing yeah. that was very generic and general, and I didn't feel like I was getting a lot from. And it was like Kathy Monty's online seminar that's directed towards tattoo artists, which was close, but still wasn't really scratching that itch for me. The <coughs> APP Bloodborne Pathogens course is just fantastic, and it's like twenty five bucks or something. Uh, it was developed by John Johnson and Rick Free and, and, and a ton of other uh, APP members had a part in filming bits in their studio to kind of show how different people are doing things. It's, it's OSHA ready to go, and it's accepted in almost every state now. Uh, the, the second thing that I was super proud of is the apprenticeship guidelines that the membership committee cracked out. I'm going to put a pause on that. We'll get to that in a second, but I, I wanted to touch on the bloodborne pathogen thing. Okay. Because in, in my studio... You know, we're, we're required to do it every year for, for the state of New Hampshire. And we had uh, we had different people come in. And it, it, again, yeah, it was so boring because it had nothing to do with the body piercing industry. It would be like, oh, yeah, you know, blood is bad. Wear gloves if you have to touch blood. Wash your hands. Mosquito bites. Vector borne. Blah, blah, blah. You know, all these things where it's like, yeah, but you can't tell me a single thing about my industry. But now you can do that APP one where it's body piercers having a video in a body piercing studio talking about body piercing issues and how you apply it. Uh, and it's fantastic. And it's so cheap. Like if you do a Google search online and you compare it to other classes you can take, it's going to be the same or cheaper or whatever, but you're going to be getting it geared specifically to you as a body piercer. And it's really just a fantastic resource. But anyway, apprenticeship guidelines are also really good. Like Jeff, like really knocked it out of the park on that one. Everybody else that contributed to it too. But it's just so like common sense, you know, and, and that never really existed. It's the first time that's ever been put on paper yeah. for any related industry. Yeah. You, there's not apprenticeship guidelines in tattooing. Did you? So, okay. Or, so for your apprenticeship, three whole weeks, like, how, how did you feel about going into that? Like, did you feel like, you know, oh, I'm not, I'm not getting any information at all? Or did you not even know enough at that point to realize uh, that you weren't getting enough information? So number one, I didn't know enough to know I didn't know. Um... I think that's pretty common anytime anybody's jumping into something completely new. Uh, I The girl who was teaching me um, actually was using a photocopied uh, version of the instruction manual that they provide at the Fakir Intensives basic course. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why I chose to go to Fakir uh, so quickly was I realized that one of my earliest steps in this industry was this proprietary piece of information that was stolen from them and used to teach a ton of other body piercers, right? And I just happened to be one in that line. And so it's one of the reasons I wanted to go back and get my own copy of it that was legit and paid for. Right. And she, she taught me out of this just like hack, you know, this is before people were really even pirating, you know, PDFs or anything. She just like had this hack, like straight up on a photocopy, photocopy yeah. version where somebody she knew had gone to the intensives and made her a copy and she taught herself out of it. And then she taught me out of it, you know? Wow. And that was just, once I got done, it was like, I don't really think this is something you can just learn out of a book. Yeah, and I mean, I was obviously right, it, it, and it, luckily I went and you know didn't didn't let myself stay at that point for long. But it was very, uh, it was very understood about. I mean, it didn't take me long before I realized that I wasn't doing this well. Uh, I, I had done other, I had had other jobs that were very. Uh, not necessarily entry level, but kind of the same th- kind of the same level of like, hey, you're you're a fresh body piercer. Hey, you're a fresh. I don't know. I, I was in a, a, a saltwater tank specialist for a little while, where I, I kind of didn't really know a lot at the beginning, and then kind of realized how much I didn't know. Got Sounds kind of fishy to me, quick, right? Yeah. Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> you, you don't have to edit that one. Okay, no, I'll keep that one. 
so I didn't know in, that I didn't know at first, but I, it rapidly became apparent that I didn't know. Yeah. So, um, for the people that might be listening, if you feel like you're like really early in your career and, you know, I, I get really disheartened by piercers that say like, I don't even feel like I'm at an experience level where I can engage with the APP or APP piercers. Like, just understand that it couldn't be further from the truth. Like, that's how everybody starts, really. I mean, there are those people that, that luck out and they, uh, you know, again, I'll mention her again, Amanda Badger, uh, having an apprenticeship at, under Jeff Saunders and, and Laura at, at Gamma. Like, that is rare. You know, most of the time when people get into the industry, they get into uh, a studio where they're not really guided they don't really have mentorship, they don't really have the resources they need, and they might have to kind of flounder in, in that sort of position for a while until they take the directive to to seek out better information. Um, but if you're one of those piercers where you feel intimidated, just realize that like, that's how I started, that's how Aaron started, you know, and I'm on the board of directors, he's the secretary for the board of directors, you know, and it just takes hard work, and, and a, the big step, the big first step is making that mental uh, decision I, I'm going to try to seek out better information. And, you know, whether it's the APP or whether it's Fakir or whether it's whatever you decide is the better information, uh, just taking taking the chance and taking that first step towards it is a big, big deal. So don't don't wait. You know, if, if you want to do it, do it. You know, nothing's holding you back from doing it. Um, and, you know, five years from now, ten years from now, you could be on the board of directors. You know, you could be teaching the classes at conference. You could be doing whatever you want. It takes hard work uh, to get there, you know. So the APP for me is is inspiration, you know. And whether it's uh, just starting out or, or being like several years in, um, it's 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 still really inspiring. Like every year when I go to conference, I meet people who just make me feel good about being a body piercer and make me feel good about the the volunteering that I've done for the APP over the years because I, I I've seen people. Like a really good example are, are like scholars. Like I've seen like Monica come in on a scholarship, you know, and, and go mm -hmm. to conference. And now she's doing all this committee work and I could really easily see her being on the board of directors at one point, you know. And, uh, you know, everybody starts somewhere. So, you know, take the chance and, and maybe come out to conference, you know. Registration's open right now. You can go to the website. You can go to safepiercing.org and, and link to the conference website and just check out the classes. You know, if one of them seems interesting to you, give it a shot. Come out and, and try it. And, you can meet Aaron, and you can meet me, and you can talk to us, and uh, or, or anybody else. You know, Jeff Saunders, Cody Vaughn, Steve Joyner. You have a question about anything, you know, you can ask Luis Garcia how he does a certain piercing, and he's probably going to sit down and talk to you about it. Oh, hi, Jeff. You can come in, Jeff. Jeff, you want to come in and do a cameo? Sure. Because you can't. This is a private podcast. Okay. Jeff Saunders, APP president, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, everyone. I don't know. I just heard you say my name, and I forgot you were doing a podcast. Oh, we're just talking about how you're a really poor mentor and how Amanda Badger could do a lot better. She could do a lot <laughs> better. Yeah. Uh, well, you probably, I'm probably far enough away from the microphone where you can't hear me, so bye. <laughs> Sorry to ruin your podcast. No, it's, it's true. Uh, obviously, I'm a big advocate of the APP. Uh, really? Yeah, it's the helicopter. Right. I, I really... Uh, you, there's a million good things we could say about it, uh, but I think the biggest thing is that um, I really try to stress to people how obtainable it is. Yeah. You know, really, it just takes, like, 
this honestly the cost of getting to Vegas if you do it right it's the smallest amount of discipline yeah I do understand that's a privileged place to come from um, but you, you know make a plan if you haven't been come out and you know meet everybody and, and take the classes I, I can it'll I change can, your life you know I can see people saying you know I can't afford to get there this year and I totally understand it you know like I've been piercing for 20 years and I haven't been to conference 20 times that's for sure so I, I do understand that it's something that you might have to work towards. But, uh, you know, I, I've heard people make some really, like, creative creative moves to get to conference. You know, think, like, uh, just take $10 a week and, and put it in an envelope, you know, or, or just do what you can. You know, have a fund that you slowly start to save, you know, part of your tips or, or something like that, you know. And if you can't get there this year, you could probably get there the next year, you know, if, if you tried. Um, but... Scholarships, it's, multitude of scholarships. Yeah, scholarships, you know, like there's there's the Aldi scholarship, there's the Andromeda scholarship, there's the No Excuses scholarship, there's all kinds of ways to get there. Um, but really, it can be career-changing, career-altering, you know. Sometimes, especially those piercers out there who might already think, like, I don't need conference, like, I, I would say that's a bunch of hooey. Like, I think every piercer can benefit from it, yeah. whether you have you know, six months experience or, or six years experience, like everybody that goes is going to learn something. And, uh, at, at this point, like I, I couldn't imagine not going to conference every year, you know, like it's, it's such a huge milestone for me every year, you know, and it recharges me, you know, if I get worn down, like all I have to do is go there and see those newer piercers with those like wide eyes being like, Oh man, I'm learning so much. And this is like put switching, like flipping everything on its head for me. And, seeing all the jewelry available at Expo or being able to take a class from, from your favorite body piercer, like all those things, like it's, it's huge, you know? And I just love, I, I still love seeing it every year. Like I'm super passionate about it. I'm, I'm psyched that I can be part of contributing to the APP at this point, but you know, I, I hold it in really high esteems and it's, 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 so it's been a, a really important part of my career. Uh, the friendships made and, you know, going back to things that the APP can teach, you know, the people that are instructing now, I, I, I know, uh, some of the best classes I've ever taken have been from, and this counts, high school, college, grade school, all of it. One of the best classes I've ever taken was from Becky Dill. You know, like people learn how to teach. They learn how to become competent instructors, competent public speakers. All these are valuable life skills that even if you transition out of body piercing one day, they're still relevant. Uh, they're, they're very important to, to show, you know, personal growth. If you can speak to other people and, and clearly enunciate ideas and convey ideas. Oh yeah. Um, and I've gotten some of the best instructing I've ever had, not from teachers, not from college professors, not from, uh, preachers or rabbis. It's been from, uh, been from body piercers. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, a skill that I'm, I'm really happy to have learned through conferences, being able to take your idea, your crazy, ridiculous idea in your head that might only make sense to you. And being able to break it down into its key elements and articulate it to someone else to the point where they get it, you know, and you 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 see that light bulb go off on over their head or whatever, and uh, it's it's very it's very fulfilling when someone says like oh, I've been struggling with something for a really long time and like I I sort of had it but I had never really get it, and then when you can help them get it, or even if you're just in a class and and you see someone else be able to relay that information. Like I've seen some people really grow as, as professionals and as instructors and as people over the, the 15 years or so that I've been going to conference. And it's just, it's amazing seeing all these people grow and like, you know, getting to meet new people and, and seeing what they're doing like inside of the industry and outside of it and how they're growing and, and everything. It's really cool. I'm really psyched to see Whitney teach. I know she's terrified 
Um, but just like seeing her go from someone who was really nervous at conference and not really wanting to engage and not even really wanting to put her hand up and ask a question to someone who's ready to stand at the front of the room and, and give her opinion on it, uh, on, on what the subject is like it, that's, that stuff is really cool, you know, and it's just really neat to see like people, people grow as, as body piercers and as people through, through conference. Stand in the front of the what? All right. You know what? (laughs) So, Okay. And, and, and Jeff brought this up yesterday. I have a complex over when I, I pronounce the word R-O-O-M. And sometimes you might even hear me bend over backwards to say some, some alternative thing like, oh yeah, my piercing area or my piercing space because I don't want to say my piercing room because I guess I have some sort of weird New England accent where I pronounce it funny. Oh, it didn't even sound bad. I just wanted to bust your balls. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. So Whitney was the first person that really started giving me a, a literal complex over it. And then when Jeff said it yesterday, using me as an example of like strange New England accents, like, oh yeah, in the way that Ryan pronounces the word room. It's like, come on. Like, do you want me to never be able to say that word confidently again? Yeah. It just sounds like room and coke. Room and coke. Come on. Whatever. People understand it, all right? <laughs> no, I got it. I got what you're coming from. Yeah. yeah. I mean, dude, I'm from the South. You ain't got to talk to me about Are how you? folks talk. Really? Ah, right? Yeah. Shocking. Uh, so, do you have any, like, major pet peeves in the industry right now? Give me a second. Yeah. For me, it's... I don't know if I mentioned this on the show before, but it's the phrase just, like, hustle really bothers me for some reason. Like, yeah. I understand it. If, if, you're, if your use of the word hustle means that you're, like trying really hard and you're like doing your best like I, I get that like you're hustling you know I get that but if you're if your way of using it is like hustle like you're just kind of talking people into jewelry that you really want to sell that they don't necessarily want to buy like that that bothers me in some way uh, I think with language it's so uh, individual and then the layer above that is that it's so like locale specific how you were raised yeah. uh, where you grew up at folks you came up with uh, it. I try to always take that into account when people use phrases that may initially grip me, right? It's specifically for those people that are like, I'm a gold hustler. Like, that bothers me. Do people me. say that seriously? Totally. Online? Uh, well, yeah, there are like uh, hashtags for that. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, 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 I mean, you know, uh, the studio I work at sells a little bit of gold. Um, I definitely, uh, I definitely can see where that would bother somebody if you were acting like you're hustling, right? Because hustling does have that negative connotation of yeah. also being like a swindler, right? Right. right. Um, so I can see that. I think uh, something that, that that is a pet peeve of mine right now in the industry um, is people uh, have an issue with calling out rather than calling in. Mm. Um, I would like to see. I think I think people don't always understand that you got to be able to see things through people's own internal perspective of, you know, how they're raised, uh, the way they came up, how they talk, the way that the, the things that they say, and, and, and understanding that, that not every issue requires a direct and public call out. Sometimes right. you get, if your ultimate goal is to change behaviors to something that's more accepted in society as a whole, um, calling in can often be more effective. Now, I'm not saying it's always more effective, right? Uh, but but sometimes it is more effective to call that person and be like, hey man, this online presence thing you've been doing, it it, it's, it ain't really working, right. you know? Like you gotta you gotta turn it back because here's how it can affect you. Here's how it can affect me. And have you ever thought about that that side of it and, and hear that person out? Uh, calling in is a 
is a lost art almost. And it's kind of sad because it can often be so much more effective, especially if you're in a place in this industry where you're, you're respected and you're looked up to and people value your opinion. Um, sometimes calling in can, can be a hundred times more effective than just participating and putting the people who are super well-respected often are not the ones putting folks on blast. Right. But if you are that respected person, rather than, than participating and in, in putting everyone on blast every time they have a misstep, sometimes just making that phone call, making that, that, that Facebook message or that text or whatever can be so much more effective. And, and while I agree that it's not appropriate for every occasion, I think there's a lot of occasions where we could be practicing policing our own community by calling in and adjust behaviors for the long term and not turn them into this spiteful thing, right? Um, I think if you're constantly, if you call somebody out, they're forever closed out, closed off yeah. to the opinion, and they, and they might not even know. It doesn't excuse them from any actions that they may have taken, but it doesn't stop the behavior right. either. Right. And if we're looking for better behavior overall, sometimes calling in is more effective. And I, I don't I think, think it's sometimes utilized people enough. can appreciate it a little bit more too because they don't necessarily have to react defensively to it. Mm-hmm. If if somebody does something inappropriate as stupid or you can even just see it as you know room for improvement if you if you like let's let's use facebook as a really good example if someone does something and you want to just like post about it publicly to like shame them or make them feel stupid or to try to like hurt them as like retaliation or something like that it's really not going to really change or stop them from thinking that same way that put them in that situation. But if you can send them maybe some sort of a private message or reach out to them like in, in the real world or something like that, give them a phone call or something and say like, look, you said this thing, you might not have intended it the way that I interpreted it, but it was hurtful to me or I saw something that you did professionally and you know, maybe I thought it was a little inappropriate you know, as far as, you know, let's say somebody's doing a piercing wrong consistently the same way. You know, if you just say, oh, you're a hack and, and you don't know how to do this piercing, versus contacting them and being like, hey, you know what? I had a similar problem when I was trying to do that piercing. You know what really helped me is this. Do you think that would be beneficial to you? You know, maybe they'll be able to like look at it and be like, okay, yeah, I can see room for improvement instead of just being like, nope, that's the way I do it. And like if people put down those like blast shields of defensiveness. Oh, absolutely. Super defensive. They're Take never going to change. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and if it's other things too, like if it's if it's social things or behavioral things, that's how you change hearts and minds. You know, not like shaming them and putting them on the defensive say like you know look you did this thing that that hurt my feelings or changed my level of respect for you and do you understand like the things that you're doing have an impact on other people's lives you know sometimes just being able to equate that to someone rationally and just be like look you know maybe try harder next time maybe maybe look at the perspective of the people that are seeing what you're putting out into the world rather than just saying like you know shame on you you're a bad person well are are we trying to win battles or are we trying to change society to, yeah. to where everybody can feel a little bit more accepted you know if we're trying to win battles and putting people on blast really works but winning battles doesn't do anything to win wars you know what i mean like if you really change the way people think about what they're doing then you can actually change who they are and the way that they approach situations i'm totally fine with some call outs you know what i mean like i come from a historical background that does not allow for certain certain acts right and i'm totally fine for call outs in those situations but but in many situations where I see people called out, um, especially on online forums, uh, I, I think they would have been much better served calling in. Now, I will give credit where credit's due, and I think the piercing world has come leaps and bounds over the last, say, two years or so to, to making that a, a 
making that a reality. I mean, if you look at the learning forum now, over five years ago, it's it's night and day how much more uh, positive information is conveyed and people really learn sometimes versus the level of, you know, just making people get super angry and defensive. Uh, it's really night and day, but some other forums that are in their infancy, I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing a lot of a lot of stagnation of good ideas because so many people get on the defensive right away. Yeah, another thing I, I would say is sort of a pet peeve are the people who, I don't know, trash people for mistakes that they themselves have made fairly recently and not having the perspective of realizing like that was part of my journey. And, you know, and maybe I don't want people to have to make the same mistakes, but you have to realize that sometimes other people are going to be on that same journey. And think of how you would have felt if before you could have like come to that better information or made those decisions to, to make improvements, if someone just tore you apart. And do you think that would have helped you or hurt you? So do, what do you want to be? Do you want to be an inspiration or do you just want to be a, a source of shame? You know, like I made lots of, I, I made lots of mistakes and, you know, nobody raked me over the coals for it. They said, you know, hey, maybe you should try to improve this. Maybe you should try to improve that. And I, and I did. And I was better for it. Um, so just having that perspective of everybody needs help. And you can either be help or you can be an obstacle. And, and which do you want to be? I, I learned that lesson uh, from my wife. Um, she had a, had a friend uh, that, for one reason or another, would just constantly get on my nerves with the way this friend acted. Um, and I, I just, I just was not a fan of the person at all. And, and my wife was like, you know, you don't really know anything about this person and you don't know what they're going through. And you know, like they're, they're probably dealing with something that you have no idea about. It, and it's stuck with me ever since. And I've always tried to realize that everybody that I meet is going through something that I have no clue about. You know what I mean? That doesn't excuse everybody's actions all the time, but it's certainly, it certainly changes how I can approach them. You know, uh, you, you can't always change what other people do, but you can change how you react to it. Yeah. I think part of that is just, you know, being more experienced as a professional, but also just getting older and, and reaching, you know, hopefully a little bit more maturity. Um, I would imagine like 25-year-old Ryan versus 38-year-old Ryan think completely night and day different about social issues, professional issues, all those different things. And you know, especially being part of this board and seeing people like Jeff, who could like go toe to toe with any debater and probably do a really good job. But, you know, just being able to see someone be calm and measured in the face of lots of different issues, lots of really different ugly issues, professional or social or whatever. Um, and just being able to see like a, a calm and like rational and measured response and really be able to get at the heart of the matter before you even start to like give advice or, or form your own opinion on it, you know, like stuff like that has really changed me uh, for, for the better. And, you know, I think I'm a, a better person and a, and a better piercer for it. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's definitely made me more tolerant with, with clients as well, right? Like you don't always know why that person's getting a nose piercing. Maybe you should just be nice about it, even if they seem like they're super iffy the whole long mm. way. You know, like don't be aggravated by these people. They could be there for any number of reasons you don't know anything about. Right. Just put a smile on your face and do it, right? The big thing for me, and like, sometimes I get worried if customers actually listen to this podcast rather than just other like piercers, but uh, a lot of times if I'm getting called up to the front because of a piercing service, I'm usually in my office and usually I have to like swallow like everything that I'm thinking like for, for Private Ryan and I have to just realize like, you know, no matter what my day is going like, no matter how I'm feeling, I need to just like put a smile on my face 
put on my customer service voice and realize that like my client could have walked through any other door, but they, they chose to walk through mine. They're asking for something and I'm never going to, you know, make them feel dumb because they ask a question or something like that. You know, I'm there to educate them and I'm there to, to share this experience with them. And that wasn't always a perspective that I had. I was just personal maturity, whatever. A lot of times it was just like, oh, you know, you just want a nostril Ugh. or you, you want this or you want that or you're asking a dumb question or whatever. But now it's like, yeah, sure, totally. Oh, you didn't know that? Cool. Well, you know, I don't expect you to be an expert on body jewelry. Let's talk about body jewelry. You can't simultaneously expect your your clients to understand everything about body piercing and expect them to not be piercing themselves. Right. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I think I'm out of ideas and steam. Yeah. You're out of yeah. ideas and steam? Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's wrap it up. So uh, talk about, you know, where people find you online and pe- where people find you in the real world. Uh, so in real life, you can find me at the... Opium Den... So in real life, you can find me at Sugar Stripper and Shrimp Emporium. <laughs> so in real life, you can find me at Dandyland Tattoo. Uh, we're in the lovely Deco District of San Antonio, Texas. We just opened a brand new shop. It's super dope. So if you're ever in the area, be sure to come by and say hello. Online, you-, you can find me on Instagram at WDE Pollock. That stands for Wardam Eagle Pollock. Oh my God! Is that really what it stands for? Come on, man. What else do you, What else would it stand uh. for? Have you not known me at all? Well, okay, all right. Just for the people who are listening to this, you give give a quick like, please, quick recap of what the hell War Eagle actually means. Uh, so I am from uh, a small town in South Alabama, uh, and in Alabama, you are either an Auburn fan, a fan of Auburn University athletics, or you're an Alabama fan, Alabama University F- athletics. Uh, and Auburn's war cry is War Eagle. Uh, the reason being is that a soldier brought an eagle to a football game that Auburn was losing. Uh, and at halftime, the eagle flew around the stadium and got everybody real hype. And Auburn came back and won the game and everybody called it the War Eagle. Uh, so now Auburn flies a real live eagle around their stadium and it's super fucking rad. Super rad. <laughs> Uh, and everybody says War Eagle. Uh, it's the opposite of uh, those RT words. What? I can't say that. It's So everybody in Auburn says War Eagle. It's used like, hello, goodbye, peace be with you. Uh, we know each other. Hell yeah. All of it's interchangeable with so War Eagle. So it's like Eagle. aloha. Yeah, it's like, sh- it's like shalom. Okay. Right? It's like war damn shalom. Right. Sure. Um, totally. It, it, and so I, I, have, I have it tattooed on my hands. It's a saying that is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I met my best friend in the love of my life at Auburn uh, University. Um, we got married in Auburn. Uh, we're big fans of Auburn football. We have two dogs named Auburn, and the other dog is named after an ex-Auburn coach, oh Jordan. Uh, so we're big fans, and that's why I say War Eagle a lot. Okay, whatever. Different <laughs> strokes for different folks. I like wrestling. You like... Football? Is that what it is? Football? I like all sports. I like wrestling, too. And okay. Auburn has more than just football. Okay. Uh, matter of fact, their basketball team is in March Madness. Do they have a, an eagle that flies around in the basketball stadium? No, come on. Whatever, man. It's too small. Eagles got to spread them wings. Okay. Anyway, so uh, we're going to go out and have fun in San Antonio. So thanks for listening. Thank you. Y'all have a good one. Appreciate you for having me on, Ryan. You're welcome. All right, so the story of War Eagle. That's what you get for tuning in. 
Uh, when I flew home from San Antonio, it was right in the middle of a blizzard. That was fun. Uh, a lot of the earlier flights in the day, my original flight included, were canceled, and they put me on a later flight, which didn't really make a lot of sense because that's when the blizzard was hitting my home area. So I got to fly into the Manchester, New Hampshire airport uh, in, in whiteout conditions. We were the only flight that was arriving. The whole rest of the airport was shut down. I don't know how our flight didn't get canceled, but we made it in a one piece, so, you know, whatever. But we got, uh, I think, like a foot and a half of snow, so that was really fun to come home to. Uh, as I'm looking out the window, another blizzard, eh, more snow, great. We're supposed to get another, like, 10 to 18 inches of snow between today and tomorrow, so that's great. I'm sure that'll be awesome for business. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the end of winter and get uh, into to springtime and actually maybe see some grass, maybe see some sun. That would be pretty nice. Uh, again, you can go to precisionbodyarts.com backslash seminars. You can read about all my upcoming classes and you can register for those. I have to figure out who is going to be on the show next week. I honestly don't have an interview ready for you. Uh, I'm sure I can find one of my, my piercing buds to talk to me about something and uh, we'll get a show up for you online next week. And I uh, just wanted to say thanks again for listening and I'll see you on the next one. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.